Well, it's been at least a week or two since we've done this, right? <laughs> kind of like Daniel's 70 weeks that actually turns out to be thousands of years, but anyway. Yeah. It's good to good to see 3D human beings in a room again. Glad glad you guys are here and ladies. Yeah. We took a, a guesstimate of the number of people that would show up today. Look, we hit it pretty close. Had to order enough food, you know. <laughs> My wife and I, I thought that last year and a half or so that it's been, if one of us said, what is today? The other one would say, it's Blur's Day. <laughs> It's just all a blur. And we attacked the two acres next to our three acres and cleared out a lot of trees and brush and briars. We live out in the cross timbers east of town. And so I imagine we all have stories about what we tried to do to keep ourselves from going stir crazy the last year, right? But uh, of course, y'all had to come in and still work in the shops. So we really appreciate that and, and what y'all did. And I really missed being with you all in in person and glad to get back to it. Um, all right. Well, we tried strawberries, but we have too many, way too many squirrels and woodland creatures out where we live. We never really got anything off the vines. Speaking of strawberries, I want to tell you about our apple tree. Years ago, when we first moved into the place, the Audubon Society sent us 11 saplings, little sticks, you know, and we planted them all. And only one of them lived, but we forgot what it was because we didn't mark it. So over the next 10 years, this little tree grew up. It's more of a big bush, but it's kind of this tree. And a friend of mine was over one day and I said, yeah, it's the only tree that survived out of my, you know, little sticks they sent me. He said, I don't even know what it is anymore. He goes, oh, that's an apple tree. I went, how can you tell him? Well, he grew up with apple trees. And I said, well, it's never had any apples on it. He goes, well, how old is it? I go, well, about 10 years old. And he goes, well, they don't start bearing apples until they're at least 10 years old. Well, the next year it put on three apples and the birds ate them. <laughs> so we pruned it, did all this stuff, got all excited. And the next year, man, bloomed all over the place and, you know, hundreds of apples. Didn't get one apple off of it. I mean, they were almost ready to pick, go out there one morning, and they were all gone. Something stripped the tree completely of apples that night. I don't know, my neighbor, or a deer, or raccoons, or what, but man, they just disappeared. My wife says, cut it down, cut it down. She's starting messing with that tree. <laughs> anyway, little story to get us started today. Has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, except the whole mess for mankind started with an apple, right? I don't know. <laughs> Let's have a word of prayer and we'll get started. Father, thank you for the food and the time to gather together again and in person and in bodily form. We do thank you for this great opportunity that you've given us and the friendships and relationships we have and for the company that supports this. And we ask that you'll bless all of us and what we do here at Kimray and for our families and around the community and the world. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, when I started the um, 
video Bible studies about a year or so ago. The uh, it was a little awkward at first; didn't know what to do. I started this series um, about God's grand plan for man, and those videos are available uh, on YouTube and also podcasts. You know the Kim Ray video series for the last year. What I'm going to do today is kind of recap the beginning of that because <clears throat> I'm sure you've experienced this in life. Some, have you ever started a project and it wasn't until later on that you actually found out what the overall objective was and you realized that, well, if I'd known that, I'd have done something different over here. <laughs> I mean, I've done that in construction jobs back when I was in construction industry. It's good to know what the blueprints and the specifications are before you start, you know, because if you took a bunch of carpenters and gave them a bunch of wood and stuff and said, build something, well, we'd build something. <laughs> All of us had ideas, right? But it wouldn't necessarily be what the customer wanted. And so it's good to know what are we doing and why are we doing it? Because that actually makes a lot of decisions for us. And it helps us understand why we do certain things and we don't do certain things. You know, if I was going to build a replica, an identical uh, replica of some house or a building, like I usually talk about the Biltmore Mansion in Asheville, North Carolina. It's a beautiful home. It was, it's massive, the largest home, I think, in the United States, and the largest single-family residence. <clears throat> well, if we get the blueprints, we might find out they used Italian marble and this kind of walnut and that kind of slate and whatever else. So if we're going to build one just like it, we would need to know what it's like. And we could say, well, it's hard to get Italian marble. Let's use marble from Indiana. Well, we could do that, but then it wouldn't be just like the original. All right, so God's plan, the part that I'm most interested in is what is his plan regarding me? How does it affect me as a human, as a creation of God? And what about his plan for just humanity in general? And early in that series, a year and a half ago or so, whenever I started it, I talked about what we know or think about God and what we know or think or believe about man. That's two big words, theology and anthropology. What do you say about God? What do you say about man? Because what you say about God will eventually translate into what you believe man or human being's purpose is. If God created us in his image, then what you believe about God will be what you believe he wants you to be. Okay, if you see God as loving, then you may be inspired to be a loving person. But if you see God as distant or controlling or non-caring, or there's a lot of different theologies out there that have ideas or beliefs about God that really aren't accurate. Now, I don't believe anybody has a perfect understanding of who God is. We just don't. We're growing in that direction. Um, the great thing is Jesus came and actually showed us what God is like. And that had to be a real jaw dropper to people in his day because you know, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I think it really shocked the people that heard that because they didn't think of God as being like this guy standing in front of them. All right, so I, I say all that for this reason. 
throughout my Christian experience, it started when I was seven years old when I accepted Christ, and up until literally 30 years later, I was 37, when I began to look into the idea that God had a specific plan for me, as he does for everybody, a general plan for humanity and even specific things for us as individuals, as his children, that I didn't understand because I had a different uh, understanding of what God's objective was. And so if God's trying to do this, and I think he's trying to do that, then I'll misinterpret why he's doing what he's doing because I don't realize he's going this way. I think he's going that way. Um, you ever been riding in a car with somebody and they make a turn and it looks like they're going the wrong direction? Because we didn't know where they were going. Oh yeah, I, meant, I tell you, I didn't tell you I was going to stop at the store first before we went to mom's house. Oh, okay. Well, that's why we turned the wrong way. Well, no, they had a, an objective in mind that we didn't realize. And I think a lot of our confusion or questionings about who God is and why he's doing or not doing what he's doing or not doing, it's because we don't really see what he's doing. We don't understand what he's doing. So the simplicity of it, I think, is goes back to this. Uh, in Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds, the cattle, and all on all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. All right, so God created us, humanity, in his image. And he gave us a job, rule over all the critters. You know, man's not on that list. He didn't give us the job of ruling over each other. He gave us the job of ruling over critters. But anyway, that's, that's a whole other discussion. But <clears throat> All right, so here's the deal. God set out to make you and me like him. Uh, he's the blueprint that we are being brought in line with. Um, he's the specifications of our design. Okay, you know, when Garmin Kimmel made the first... <laughs> They were triple A's back then, or AARs now, right? Anyway, when he made the first one of those, he made it out of walnut, actually, but then eventually they made a real one out of iron and steel and whatever else, rubber, and all that goes into one of those, a little peanut in the middle, a little pilot plug. And Okay, there was a certain specification for that in the mind of the creator, Garmin Kimmel, and the guy that he was in business with back then, and they, they created one in that image, and what we've done ever since then is created more in that image, right? You can't say, well, you know, instead of that, I don't know, what, what's the pilot plug made out of? Is that stainless steel of some kind, right? Okay. Well, we said, you know, it'd be a lot easier to knock those out on a 3D printer and make them out of, you know, plastic. Well, yeah, we could do that. It probably wouldn't work very well. <laughs> it wouldn't last very long. We could make a lot of changes that wouldn't necessarily, you know, we didn't have to use iron we could use you know walnut he made the first one out of walnut well we use that well it won't hold the pressure so there's a reason why it has to be made according to specs because it, it could never serve the purpose for which it was created unless it's made according to the specs well you and i can never serve the purpose for which you and i were created unless 
we are conformed or brought in line with the specifications that the designer had and set out for you and I. Um, now, I love the part where I finally understood, like in Ephesians, it says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. All right, so you and I cannot make ourselves like God any more than an AAR or AAA could build itself. See, a, a more uh, intelligent being needed to put that together. And God's the one who's building us. Um, he that began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So God's on task with something. He started it way back at the beginning. Uh, Jesus even referred to in the beginning, it wasn't that way, the way people were living now. I, I really designed you all to be different than what I see, is what Jesus was saying. All right, so <clears throat> what difference does that make? That was, I don't know, thousands of years ago. So let's look at a couple other verses. One thing that I didn't realize for a long time is that when God actually made Adam and Eve, he actually finished. You know, on the seventh day, it said he rested. Uh, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. All right, so he made man on the sixth day, and he actually got finished. All right, so Adam and Eve were, according to specs, they were completely like God wanted them to be. He looked at it, and he said, it's not only good, it's very good after he made Eve. I'm done. I think I'll take a rest. And on the seventh day, he rested. Uh, not, not a break. <laughs> He actually finished um, what he started. All right, so now another discussion for some other time is about the problem of sin. If you go back and look at the series I did a year and a half ago or so, that's, the sec that's the, one of the next lessons that comes up in the series, that um, somebody came in and messed with the design, and man could no longer fulfill its designed purpose our design purpose, all right? But God actually knew that was going to happen. And people think he made it happen. I don't, I don't believe he made it happen, but he knew it was going to happen, and he made provision for that. Uh, the scripture says that Jesus, the lamb who was slain, was foreknown before the foundation of the world. So before God ever said, let there be light, let's make animals and lights and sun and moon and stars and all that stuff, he already knew that Christ was going to have to die in order for his ultimate goal for you and I to be completed. He knew that was going to be part of the process. Now, there have been times in life when I said to myself, hmm, when I counted all the cost, when I looked at all the trouble it was going to be to do a certain project, I've opted out and said, no, it's going to cost too much, or no, it's going to be too hard. Well, God looked at the cost what it was going to do cost him to actually finish what he started in you and me. And he said, I'll pay that. And he started the project. Okay. And I think that's just a great statement about not only how powerful he is, but his commitment to you and I, uh, what he was willing to invest, if you will, to finish what he started. And in Romans 8, 28 and 29, we, we all know 8, 28, God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, right? We just love that. He, he's going to work everything out for my good. He's going to use whatever happens around me, he's going to use it to finish the job that he started to 
uh, do something good for me, no, no matter how bad it was. But he goes on and says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. All right, so what he said in Genesis 1, 26 and 7, he's going to make man in his image, is still his objective today. That was plan A and there is no plan B. He doesn't have, oh, that first plan didn't work. I'll come up with a different plan and do something completely different. He knew what was going to what he was going to do. He knew the trouble, in a way, that he was going to face along the way, the, the difficulties that would be tossed in, what, in the way of his uh, completion of what he started. He knew he was up to the task. He was committed enough to it to pay the price, the blood of his own son, and he's still on task with that. So that it's, and it's even better. Uh, what he started with Adam and Eve was a relationship with God on the outside, but what he's completing with you and I is relationship with God on the inside when he puts himself, the Holy Spirit, in the in a believer and he joins himself to that believer never to leave again. And he, he secures us in that relationship and he actually refers to that relationship like the husband and wife. In Ephesians 5, it says, you know, the, the two become one. This is a great mystery. Talking about husbands and wives, but the great mystery is really referring to Christ in the church that he would join himself to us. And what do we call? The bride of Christ. Um, and so there's, there's so many rich pictures in the scripture that witness to the fact that God has started something. One of them is being born again. Okay, well, what happened when your children were born? Most of us, a lot of us in this room have children, right? Well, we didn't know what they were. Just a little baby that threw up on you and peed on you. And <laughs> whatever else, right? Uh, but they were cute, and they had my nose and her ears or something like that, right? Um, you know, grandma's eyes or something, but they were human, but they didn't know how to do very many human things, all right? But they could grow up and learn how to do all those human things because they actually started out as human. They didn't become human later. They just learned to express their humanity. Well, when you're born again, there's very little that we actually know how to do as a child of God that even looks anything like God. We still do dumb things and throw up on people and <laughs> mess our britches and whatever else goes along with being an immature child of God. But it doesn't make us less a child of God. It just means we're just immature. And there's a growth that takes place. Well, that's why it says here, he's using all these things in life to move us towards this conformity to Christ not only by new birth, which makes us his child, a brother and a sister of Christ himself, but we grow to maturity. And there's a lot of scriptures that talk about um, moving on to maturity, reaching the fullness of the stature of Christ himself. And Paul says, I'm not there yet, but I pressed on toward that goal. The goal of, for the reason that God got a hold of me, which was to make me like himself. And we'll, we'll talk a lot about more of those over the years, but Here's my point in bringing this up today, and I like to always revisit this in my own thinking throughout my studies and prayers and struggles and conversations with other people, is to go back and remind myself what the objective is, right? Because if I don't, I will begin to veer off and accomplish an objective maybe that's kind of like that or close to it, 
And then sometimes I find myself wandering way off and I'm doing something totally different. that's not productive towards what God is doing in me and in other people. Um, why would I do that? I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, that's shiny. I think I'll go that way. You know, we get distracted by stuff in the world, right? And the devil's job, really, he's a tempter and he's a deceiver, is to get us to veer off on some other course, some other idea for why you and I are here, to get us to focus our efforts and attention on something that's actually counterproductive to what God is doing. Or at least, maybe not counterproductive to it, but it's it's just different. It's just a distraction. It's just something to, to be involved in it doesn't amount to much as far as eternal value. Um, you know, I have found myself as a husband and father at times devoting my time to stuff that doesn't really build my family. And I began to realize this is not fair to them or me. And so I had to check that and rearrange my priorities and my time, my use of money and everything else so that what I'm doing actually serves the purpose of building my family and securing those relationships to being an encouragement to them instead of um, being distracted or counterproductive to it. All right. Well, I appreciate you all coming. I will continue our discussion next week. Again, you can pull up any of the old lessons for the last year and a half on YouTube or uh, podcast. Just what do they Google or search for? Is Kim Ray Bible study? Yeah, it's on all the podcast platforms. You can listen to it in your car, go into and from work, or if you're going to watch it, me on my staring at a camera, little talking head video, you can do that too on YouTube. All right, well, y'all have a good week. I will see you next week. You're welcome.